This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. So here we go. We're going to look at Moses here. We're going to look at Moses. And we're going to look at how he was called of God and how he got on with purpose, but it was in the context of family. Everywhere you looked in the beginning of Moses' life, up to even being sent back to Egypt, family was somehow involved in a part of his journey. All right? And so we're going to read a portion of scripture in Exodus chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse 18. I'm going to read down to verse 27, and it'll be on the screen. And we're going to get going here. Father, I just pray you bless this word and speak to us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said? All right. Anybody out there love the word of God, love the Bible? The Bible, man, I love the word of God. So here we go. Verse 18. This is um, Moses goes to Egypt. Check it out. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, who's his father-in-law. He took his son, say, we are family. Family all over this. And, And set them on a donkey. My wife would not sit on a donkey, but we would get to Egypt one way or another. But that woman is not about to sit on a donkey. And he returned to, that's why she was born in this time. Because there's vehicles. She was not born. God knew if he put that woman back there, she would not get on that donkey. And I would have lost the purpose of God. Because she would have not got on, she'd be like, she would have went like this. She would have looked at the donkey and went like this. She would have gave the donkey a stank face, shook her head, and I would have been like, well, Lord, what do I do now? Verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, when you go to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Verse 22, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son. Somebody say, we are family. My son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go talking about the nation of Israel, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son and your firstborn. Verse 24, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. This is wife with a shank, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go. God let Moses go. God had him in a headlock. He's about to kill him. Maybe not a headlock, but Zipporah circumcised her son and God let him go. Then she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. And the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. And so I just wanted to share share that where Moses was, what happened there. We're going to come back to that here in a moment. But I want to just go back and, and look at Moses when he, just the journey of how he got to this place in the context of family there on his way. This is the thing, is, is, is this family, Moses, his son and his wife, were about to fulfill purpose. God wanted to use this family And God, in the context, was to save God's family, his firstborn, his son, if you will, the nation of Israel. And and God uh, put something on Moses. So, but if you go back, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning of Exodus here, where the children of Israel were be prior to this, they were the Joseph was a reigning power in Egypt. 
And then they got a new Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh didn't know who Joseph was. Joseph died. And so they, they got scared of the children of Israel because they were having a lot of babies. They were very fruitful. And, and Egypt and, and that world power of the day was scared of the Hebrews because they were reproducing. Uh, they, were, they were having babies. And so the Bible says in, in verse 12 of, of Exodus chapter 1, worse, if you are walking with God, you don't know it yet, but you're at your best. Because the Bible says that God it will be strong in your weakness. And that many times without God, when you're at your worst, I'm here to tell you, you're at your worst. But in Christ, when this nation was at their worst, they, were, they gave them taskmasters. They made them slaves. That they began to multiply. And the Bible explicitly says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And many times when you are struggling in your own life, in your walk with God, there's something about regardless of how many times the enemy tries to afflict you, to tempt you, to buffet you, to attack you, God seems to find a way to favor us and seems to still make a way for us. Apostle Paul was like, look, I had a thorn in my side. I asked God three times to get rid of it. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is what the Apostle Paul said, I will gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, in my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What was God saying? Moses, uh, Apostle Paul, you might feel like you're at your worst, but you're actually at your best because when you're weak, that's when I show up. This is why, why does God wait until we're, when you're at your best, you have a habit of deceiving your own self, thinking that you're all that sometimes. Nobody in here. But there are times when we, when we got our mojo and we're rocking and rolling, we sometimes lose sight of who got us there to begin with. Us humans are funny like that. That's what connect groups are for. You need to be, this is what family's all about. Family is there to help keep us humble. Come on, somebody. And so, and so, you know, in Christ, we're at our best when we're seemingly at our worst. So the nation of Israel comes, they cry out to God. It's amazing that when the devil's messing with me, when people are rejecting me, when people are gossiping about me, I seem to seek God a little harder. I don't know about you, but when I got some pressure coming on me, there's something in me that just reaches out to God. And that's what happened to the nation of Israel. They were getting afflicted and there's something in them that, that even your trials and the struggles of life... Even that is designed to get you to worship. And there, my worship is deepest when I need him the most. And I know you are super spiritual. And you're, you are Jesus' second cousin. And you always act like everything's good. Bless the Lord. I'm blessed and highly favored. And, I'm, and hallelujah, God's all over me. And I'm anointed. Well, I don't feel like that all the time. I can't get any amens on that. But this, the nation of Israel, they found themselves in a situation where they cried out to God and God began to hear them and he said, and God be, began to re release this plan, if you will. And so this dude, Moses, was born and, and all, the, all, the, all the sons were thrown into the river to be drowned, but he was put in the river in a basket. And so the very thing that killed all these other children is the very thing that got him to his destiny. And I'm here to tell you right now that there's people you know, there's people in your world that didn't make it this far. But here you are. Not everybody in your circle, not everybody in your world made it this 
far. Why? I don't know. I'm here to tell you the sovereign hand of God is on your life. I'm here. Can I submit to you that everything in your life has been organized and orchestrated for God to get you right here? So Moses goes down the river there and, 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 and spotted by the Egyptian women. And they ended up giving Moses back to his mama and paying her to nurse, his, nurse her baby. That's what the Bible says. Wouldn't it be nice, mamas, if you got paid to nurse your baby? You know, and the Bible says that she gave her wages to nurse this baby. Once the baby was fully nursed and of age, they gave Moses back. So he was raised by Egyptians, raised in an Egyptian house. He was a Hebrew, one of God's children. But God had him raised in a pagan Egyptian environment. He steps out, out outside one day and he sees his brethren being mistreated by the taskmaster. He didn't know they were his brethren. He had no idea. But he sees him being mistreated and he kills the man that's mistreating him and he buries him in the sand. And this is the thing, this is my second point, is crisis reveals two things. It's going to reveal your virtue, and, uh, but, but it also revealed that he is called to be a deliverer one day. That there was something in Moses that couldn't allow these people to be mistreated. He was raised in that world, but something in him drove him to, to, to fix that problem, to, to, to move in on it. Crisis always reveals two things, your virtue and your vice. Moses was ultimately called to be a deliverer, but he couldn't control his anger. Isn't that awesome how God still calls us in our mess? Much of our personal healing and deliverance manifests on the road of obedience. So many times, Christians, we, we, we see that thing in us that isn't right, and we think we need to sit there and beat ourselves up and try to fix it all in the moment. But many times, God is calling you to obey even with your issues. Many times, I'll tell you this, God is calling me to stand up here and preach to you with my issues. Mm-hmm. That on the, and Moses here was seeing something in him. He's called to bring deliverance. But he couldn't control his anger. So he catches a case. Caught a case. On the run. Goes in the wilderness. Sits by a well. All right? Here's Moses on the run because he caught a case. And he, was, he actually tried to break up two of his brethren that he didn't know. There were two Hebrews. And they're like, what? You're going to kill us like you killed that guy? And so Moses shows up, sits at a well. And these shepherds come over. And they start chasing away these ladies trying to get some water. Once again, Moses stood up and says, don't mess with these girls. What are you doing? called to be a deliverer one day and this is the thing is sometimes we want the big picture we want the we want the result and God's like I want you to operate in what I've called you to do in the middle of your process he was doing it right there on the journey in the moment and so next thing you know Moses up on the mountain the burning bush and the bush is talking to him and it's not burning well the bush wasn't talking to him God was talking to the bush the bush wasn't consumed he said look Moses take your sandals off your feet this is holy ground you know and I want you to go to Egypt and God and Moses tells him God five times Times I will not do this. I can't talk. I stutter. And God said, well, did I stutter? He said, what am I going to tell? Who am I going to say sent, sent me? I don't even know you. He said, this is what you're going to say. He said, I am sent you. Five times Moses said no. And this is the thing. And this is my third point here is that, is that God is drawn when we sacrifice. 
disputes even with his no. This is why, if, if, is that a, a, an easy yes or a yes easily given is a valueless yes. If you single folks in here, if you go on a one date and they tell you they love you, they're lying. Ain't no value in that. Oh, it's quiet. Single people say amen. When, when, I, when I came up after this woman on the front row, she said no multiple times. What did that tell me? There's some value in this. Hey, girl, nope. Hey, hey, what's up? Like, what do you think? Nope. So I was thinking, right? Uh, how about, you know, we just go hang out? Nope. What did that tell me? Oh, man, this is valuable. There, there's something here. This girl ain't, this girl just ain't like, oh, I'm in love with you. I'd be like, oh, no value there. Just look at a single woman and tell them, make them work for it. Value. Why? Because there is value in that woman. And just because I say one thing don't mean I get her. It's going to take work. What did Moses' no tell God that this is going to cost this man? And God was attracted to Moses' no. He leaned into his no. Why? Because it told God this matters. This wasn't easy for him. God leans in on us when things are hard for us. God, God wasn't turned off by Moses' no because he did it five times. Jeremiah said no. I'm too young. Gideon had all kinds of excuses. God leaned right in. Mary was like, how can this be? Mary said no. I know you love Mary, but she said no. Think about it, but God leaned into it. Why? Because God's going to call you to do something. And if it is from God, it's going to cost. And God is attracted. God is drawn to us when it, whatever it is, is a sacrifice. And this was a sacrifice for this man. And we're getting the family. I know we're in, we are family. But here we go. So here we go. He says yes. Finally. He's on his way. He goes to his father-in-law. He gets his father-in-law's blessing. He puts his wife and his son on a donkey. And God didn't tell him anything else. He just said go. He's on his way to fulfill purpose. To literally deliver a nation with, with his family. All right? And in that context right there, this is crazy because you even theologians go, why is this scripture in here? God called him, already dialogued with him, already gave him the burning bush, already told him, put your hand in your bosom, take it out. Leprosy, put your hand back. No leprosy. God's like, bam, see? You got some power. Here's a staff, throw it down. Snake, he runs from the snake. Once again, my wife, don't play with snakes. I don't think this would have worked. That's why she wasn't Zipporah. She's Crystal Gale in 2000. 19, right? So he throws a snake down. Okay, grab the snake by the tail. Boom. God's like, you got power. Now go. Go. He's not going to listen, but you're going you're gonna to get my people free. He's on his way. And God's like, come here, boy. I'm going to kill you. I'd be like, wait, what? No, no, you didn't. What? I mean, I'm on purpose. I, I mean, I just had an encounter with God, and now you're confronting me on my purpose? I, I, I just had an encounter with Jesus. I just got saved, and now you want me to deal? And God's like, come here, I'm going to kill you. Puts him in rear, what do you call that, UFC 
rear naked choke, right? Moses is about to tap out, right? God's set to kill him. Why? Why would God call somebody and tolerate their stubbornness five times, get his whole family on board, and say, go, you're on your way, and God's like, I'm about to kill you. I'd be like, I'm dealing not with Father God. I'm dealing with the God Father right now. You know, could you imagine? Moses was like, what? Like, are you serious? And why? This is why. His wife, somebody say family. Zipporah took out her shank. It was a sharp stone. Sharpened. She had a knife. Single men. Make sure you marry a woman with a knife. I'm going to explain in a minute. And she circumcised her son. And threw it out. This is private, right? Somebody say, we are family. So you got God wanting to kill the man, and you have his wife stepping in to preserve destiny. We are family. Why? Because circumcision is a sign of covenant. He told Abram to do it way back when. This was God's method, saying, my covenant is this. A sign is circumcise every boy the eighth day as a sign of covenant. Because you can't move forward in God without an adequate, proper relationship with God. And it's through covenant. The blood of Jesus. And he had to stop Moses in his tracks. And there's times, I'm telling you, God's going to call you. He's going to touch you. But on the road of, of purpose, God is going to want to kill that excess flesh into destiny. God was like, you got to deal with it now. And that is what family is all about. Family is there to keep us humble. And that woman didn't destroy purpose. She didn't uh, humiliate her husband. She didn't, she didn't wound her son. But homegirl had a knife. And she used that knife to create and sustain a covenant with God in a private environment so that Moses could get it right. And I'm here to say even in because the Bible says the word of God is living and active. It's, it's a sword. And that this thing, in the, in the New Testament, it says that, that we are the true circumcision, which is of the heart. We are the true circumcision who worship, who worship. And so true worship comes out of allowing God to cut something away. And this was to preserve purpose. Jezebel mutilated and castrated prophets. That is demonic because that destroys purpose. But a virtuous woman, a virtuous church will use a knife to create covenant and to sustain purpose. She knew how to use that thing and she did it right. And family in the church, come on now, you know, as great as you are and gifted as you are, we all need people in our life that are enamored by who we are. We don't need fans in the kitchen unless it's hot. Now, we, we don't need, you know what I'm saying? We need people in our life that, that, that aren't, that don't want our signature or our autograph. We want people in our life 
that will speak the truth in love. That's family. True family. True family. Because you get outside, you know, people are like, hey, what's up, man? You the man. All right, yeah, cool. But did you, we all need Zipporah on the road to destiny. Because I believe God would have rather killed that man, and the Bible says he intended to, than to destroy a nation because he came into it with excess flesh. Yeah, this is, this is rough and tough here on a Sunday morning. We are family. I hope you all come back for Pastor Jay. Uh, um, so God called him and favored him even with, with things in his personal life that were out of order. He didn't deal with his son. Isn't that something? I think sometimes even pastors and leaders, historically, just my history with serving God, is like they get a lot of, I mean, just think about it. Just like he called you with your stuff, he called them with theirs. And just like you have a bad day, and I'm not talking about me necessarily, but I'm just saying, like, I, I mean, Moses was called, and God knew in the burning bush he didn't circumcise his son. God knew when he told him, go back to Egypt, you're going to deliver my people, you're going to confront the ruling power of the day. And back then, pharaohs were considered demigods, half man, half God. Like they were some trippy belief systems and the way they honored these people. And Moses said, hey, let my people go. Talking to a God, lowercase g of that day. And yet God knew. But on the road, I tell you right now, when you say yes to God, his intention is to, is to cut those things away so you can fulfill the bigger purpose. Moses heard from God and was able to do, and was about to deliver a nation, but God used his wife to confront error in his personal life. We are family. God uses family to help us deal with our flesh. God wouldn't let him bring the excess flesh into his destiny. Here's, my, here's my, my next point here is family's supposed to fuel purpose, not destroy it. All right? Family's supposed to fuel purpose. Right here, family and purpose. I think in, in this culture, in Western society, I believe we, we, um, we compartmentalize a lot. We say family over here, church over here, ministry over here, my work over here. And that's why some people can act a fool at work and act cute at home. And, you know, I, I, you know we, we're, it's all more connected than we realize. And that if family ain't right, this ain't going to be right out here. And so it's all, this thing is all connected. Moses was called by God, had an encounter with God, had a supernatural encounter in his family. That family environment was part of the process, and God used his family to check him and to keep him in the right place. Here is my last point. Are you guys all right? Yes. A healthy family will promote worship. A healthy family. Family, yeah, family is, per, is supposed to fuel purpose, not destroy it. And then the last one, there we go. A healthy family will promote worship in the broader community outside the home. Healthy family will promote worship. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this scripture here. If you go to Exodus chapter four, healthy family will promote worship in the broader community outside the home. Exodus chapter four, verse 28. So this is after Zipporah did that and her hus the husband was confronted in that context. And I'll start in verse 27, actually. And the Lord said to Moses, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he said to Aaron. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. Verse 29. I'm going to read all the way to verse 31. 
Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. That's how God operates. He had to deal with the man privately in his family so that they can go and rally the community. Amen? Verse 30. Then, and, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. So that private moment in that family produced a moment of faith in a broader context. What if Zipporah didn't do that? What if she didn't step in as the man's intercessor because judgment was coming? What if she didn't rise up and they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction? Then they bowed their heads and worshiped and worshiped their Worship happened as a result of a family having a intense moment of fellowship privately. <laughs> worship. Worship was the result of something that God, wife, husband, son, on the road for purpose. What is that thing in you that you know, man, I don't want to bring this into 2019? I don't know what it is. We all have something. Some of you might be thinking, looking at me, Pastor Sean, I have a list of things. Don't overwhelm yourself. God didn't destroy the man's manhood, but he confronted him. At a pivotal moment. And as we come out of 2018, what is that one thing that God is saying, hey, cut this off? I don't know, some could be an attitude, it could be a way of thinking, it could be when things don't go right, your your go-to. Let's cut this away. What is that? I think I think we all have something. And I just want you to just think there for a moment. What is that one thing that God has put in his hand on? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're called of God. You've had an encounter with God. You're looking at this new year the way Moses was looking at Egypt. He's about to go do his thing. He's about to go. He had the rod of God. He had the authority. He had the call of God. He was in the context of family. And God was like, man. What is it that needs to die? Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces fruit. I'm here to tell you the thing you cut off is going to produce fruit. I encourage you, 2018, praise God you're here. You've been bearing fruit. You've been faithful, church. You've been faithful. But I believe right now it's just God just wanted to cut away the excess, burn the dross, if you will, the thing that has no value, that excess flesh, they would say historically that that is the thing that could inhibit pregnancy, that not being circumcised, they believe, was a natural contraceptive, and I'm talking about purpose now, 
that that excess flesh can get in the way of you birthing what God's called you to birth. The excess flesh can get in the way of the seed taking root, taking, being planted. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week and stay awesome and be blessed.